Welcome to The Intersection, a podcast on spirituality and social justice with three women of different ages who live in three different states with three different skin colors. Grounded in spirituality and love, we strive to think, speak, and behave in ways that will bring about a better world for all people. We are committed to admitting mistakes and missteps, excited to grow, and willing to make that growth public. We are so grateful that you clicked play. Thank Thank you for your willingness to grow with us. Hey, everybody. We always start off checking in with each other before we hit record. And today, what came up was my dad's having some health issues. And one of my dreams is to live part-time in the U.S. and part-time away. And like just feeling really disenfranchised with where America's at and like learning about other countries that actually like really take care of their citizens. You know, my dad's had health struggles these last three months and navigating the healthcare and insurance system has been just like so eye-opening to so many problems. And I know that this is really common knowledge But it's also something I think a lot of us don't have to navigate. And it's frustrating when we don't have to navigate it. When we actually have to navigate it, it's like kind of almost absurd that this is the way our country is run. And this is how literally people's health and livelihood is cared for. And that is in very stark contrast to a lot of countries on the planet and and developed nations. There are lots of really amazing countries that take care of their citizens. And so America has this like, this is the best place to live. We are the greatest country on earth when that's simply not true. It's propaganda that we get, the freedoms that we think we have. It doesn't feel like freedoms when we butt up against these systems that are in place that are impacting how we care for ourselves and care for each other. And so I asked the question, what would it take for America to take care of its citizens, for our government to actually care about our citizens versus the corporations, because that's the point that we're at at late stage capitalism right now, where everything is corporate driven and then we're fed propaganda about how it benefits us. So what would it take? What would it take? I love this conversation. I got to tell you, because I've been thinking about this for a while. I have put some thought into this. So one thing I've learned, guys, from school and have seen in real life come to play is the importance of Congress. Congress is more important than the president. Congress is more president than the Supreme Court judges. And I'll tell you why they're more important than the Supreme Court judges, because we have just seen how Supreme Court judges are determined by Congress. Fact ways prove it is how Obama wanted to get Mr. Gartland wasn't that his last name. And to be a Supreme Court member, the Congress refused to hear from him because it was going to be an election year in November. And that was January. But they allowed Trump to push three people through, including someone in November before the right before the election. And it controls what's going on in our entire country right now. But the cushion of all of that is our Congress. So if it was up to me, I would put a term on our Congress. One of our biggest problems is the people that oppressed oppressed America are still the same people that's in charge of America right now. So we had a limit on Congress, and I say 30 years, because that generation is about 20 years, and a generation that's, I think the younger generation should be in control of how things are happening. I would say a 30-year 
term limit. That way, there's 10 years of wisdom on the board, on the Congress, and then there's 20 years of people with the new innovative ideas. And one of the things that I've said was that in our previous discussion, that this, for example, this student loan thing, if we had people, that young people in an office where this student loan thing started, we wouldn't be in the problem we in now because they would have caught right away because they would have been victims of the student loans and been able to say, oh, wait, wait, this is a problem. Let us talk about it. But right now, everybody's so old and stuck in their ways and they've been living up there too damn long. They're not in touch with the everyday people. And more importantly, a lot of them don't give a shit about the little everyday people because they give more about money. Thank you, Citizens United. They give care about more about who gets the most money. And Citizens United allowed us, with, that the Supreme Court did, allowed us to be able to, for corporations, people with money to have more power than everyday people. So that's one major thing. And then changing the schools. I have a whole spill on that one too. I think like, I will first want to acknowledge, like I know Amanda, like you're feeling a bunch of stuff right now. And I'm similarly, like, I think I said this in a previous podcast, but like we got this hospital bill for Kata that said our insurance was going to, wasn't going to cover it. And I just was like, all of this is so, I don't get how my like, not even two-year-old has thousands of dollars in debt because of hospital insurance, miscommunication, et cetera, et cetera. And my daughter had a seizure on Saturday. It was the first time she ever had a seizure. Like we declined the ambulance because we knew how much the ambulance was going to cost. So we put her in our car and we drove her to the hospital ourselves. And we had to sign this thing that said like they weren't going to be liable if anything happened to her brain or anything, blah, 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 like all this stuff. And I just was like, so much of this is like operates on fear, like keeping us really, really scared, like keeping us in places where we're, we have the illusion of choice, but we're like forced into these corners where it's like, I haven't even processed that part all the way, but it feels like we have a lot of illusion of choice, but it's not real choice. It's like being forced into different corners. And when I think about this question, like I appreciate Jamila when you bring in like things about how we could reconstruct things, but I'm so disenchanted with like the structure as a whole. Like, I don't know, like the structure as a whole, there's always found some way to like, all right, this is how it's going to be fair. Let's invent redlining. And we're going to like the structure as a whole, just like frustrate maddens me, you know? Well, the structure as a whole right now at this second is extremely frustrating, but we have to remember the structure as a whole was supposed to be frustrating. It's supposed mm -hmm. to be for rich white men, not even poor white men, because they only wanted white men to have an education up to the sixth grade, old enough, long enough to be able to count money and pay taxes. This is an elitist country. This country was built up on elitism. Let's take that into consideration mm -hmm. and sit with that for a moment. The pilgrims are the first to come to, to America from Europe, Let's say that because that's a whole other conversation about who got here first, right? But the people that end up coming here on a long run were the wealthy. Everybody else were beggars to try to get here. It was supposed to work for the wealthy, not for us. So let's wrap our minds around that. So is it really a surprise that they did things like redlining? So right now it's not working for us, but it, the idea is still good. It's just rooted. How about we actually do what we say we're doing? How about we actually really enact those Bill of Rights 
and actually give everybody a vote instead of seeing a power of the vote in a place like Georgia, then suddenly you're going to do everything you can to stop it using the power of the written words. Like now you can't feed people that's in line to vote. And now we're going to move the voting area so far that the only way you can get there is if you have a car. And we're going to start pulling you over when there's so many people in the car. I remember that from Jim Crow or the test. So these, when you talk about the illusions of freedom, we've always had illusions of freedom. There's never been no freedom, especially for people of color, maybe for white people. And they may feel a little bit of the squeeze, but look how they scream at bloody murder. Don't talk about our past. Don't talk about the history accurately. People might, our feelings might get hurt. Something might happen for us to have an honest, frank discussion so we can have healing and growth and get rid of this bullshit that makes the system not work. My thoughts. I want to go back to what you had said earlier, Jamila. I think term limits are important. I think 30 years is way too fucking long. I was being generous, but I do recognize. And I also (sighs) want to recognize the problem with you cannot take away the fact that however long the term limit is, it has to be somewhere where there is an older generation in there. Elders are important regardless. And it's not the problem. The problem that there is this space with our current Congress isn't the fact that they're old. The fact is that they lack wisdom. They've only have what they put in there when they got in there in the 50s and 60s and 70s. And they've rotated and surrounded themselves around that. And actually a lack of will to take care of everyday people. That's what I feel like, at least. I think you can have elders in Congress that aren't there for 30 years. They just run when they're older. People can run at any point in their lives. And so that's good. Mm -hmm. Like you don't have to run and get in when you're young. So 30 years is way too long, especially when we look at like how much changes in 30 years since pretty much since like the Industrial Revolution. 30 years ago, there were no cell phones. We didn't have the Internet. Most homes didn't have a computer. It's a whole like literally different world than it was 30 years ago. So 30 years is far too long as far as I'm concerned. What do you think well, is a good time? Hold on. I don't know, but that's far too long. The other thing I was going to say is it's not just Citizens United that gave corporations rights. It also is the legislature that was passed in the 80s that allows so much for unlimited campaign contributions and anonymous campaign contributions. Yeah. So because that's what's really happened. I believe that when someone decides that they're going to run, they do care about their people. And they do want to make America a better place. And what happens, I think, is that gets really tangled up in the contributions that they get from corporations, because then they have to be financially, they're financially backed by, and I don't think that this is true. I don't think you have to go with the person who's financially backed you. You can oppose them. They won't financially back you the next time or in the future. And maybe that's a problem. But financial backing, like what ends up happening is that politicians feel like they have to go with the wants and desires of their financial backers. Well, that's that's bullshit, but that's probably also the reason why I have the problems and why I didn't run for the school board, because I think that you run for who you are and you're supposed to do the damn right thing, regardless of who giving you money. If it's somebody that's really negative and stuff, and somebody you couldn't tell everybody that they're giving you money to, then you probably should have given money to, get take money from them. 
Uh, how about this one? How about when they changed the law where reporting didn't have to be equal anymore? Remember at one time there used to be a law in place stating you have to have both sides of a story. And they got rid of that somewhere in the 80s. How about that? Just balanced reporting. That would help a hell of a lot, too. We do get a lot of propaganda from both sides. It's crazy. I think like, okay, I am totally not as versed in like all of the politics surrounding this conversation. And I was like sitting here listening to you both and reflecting on why my why is so entangled in the conversation as a whole, too, because it's like when we vote, we get this like pamphlet out of all of these different things. And it's like, how do I look at that pamphlet? When do I have the time to look at that pamphlet? When I have my family that I'm trying to take care of and this job that I'm trying to work and I'm also trying to enjoy my friendships and my life, et cetera, et cetera. Like the problem also continues to perpetuate itself because like, while I believe that everyone wants to be voting and doing the right thing and paying attention to all of these things, like capitalism, like I appreciate you named that way earlier, like late stage capitalism doesn't allow for us to do that deeply. Like I want to be informed. I want to do the right thing. And then I'm also fucking exhausted, you know, like, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. And I'm like, I appreciate the framing of the question because it's like, how can we get this government to care for its people? Like, I'm like struggling to care for myself. Like, how do we reroute and rewire this whole thing? So at both the macro level and the micro level, like, we're talking about deep care again. Like, so my midwife was over here yesterday helping me process everything that happened with Kato's seizure on Saturday. Like, I've been feeling all this guilt. Like, I haven't been able to do the work that I do as with the kind of presence that I really, really want to have. Even for us, like I haven't even been able to send stuff to Grace. Like I've been like really overwhelmed, you know, Grace is our editor for anyone listening. But I am like, I think about that. And our midwife was like, but Carol, you know, in all of these other places, like there can be another person who does the thing that you do, but you're irreplaceable in your family. That hit me in a in this like really specific way. Cause I was like, God, I feel this like obligation to all of these other things. And when we are talking about corporations, I feel obligation to corporations. Like I feel these, like this obligation to work obligation to cover all of that bill that I was talking about with Kata earlier, like obligation to pay this bill. Like I feel all of this, like pull to all these things that makes me so tired that like changing it or like advocating for that change is like, also sounds really tiring and I want to do it. I want to do it. But I think that's another challenge like we're up against with the question, how do we get this government to care for its people? It's like, well, we got to find a way to like care for ourselves so that we can advocate for that to happen. Um, But it's a little bit deeper than that too. Don't you, you ever think about the fact that guys know I love 3D, 5D, right? On a 3D level, don't you think that it's kind of purposeful that you're so busy working? A hundred percent, of course. That you cannot worry about your self-care. You can't worry about not only just your, not only the well, stuff, the political stuff, but the self-care stuff. But on a political line, the more busy they keep you, the more shiny they throw in a way, the more they can control things, mm-hmm. the more they could do things. Like that Patriot Act, that took away so, away so many of our yeah. privacies. And rights out of fear because everybody was so afraid so that when it happened, they didn't care. We have to be very, 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 very careful about the way we react in fear. Because the crack epidemic, which was caused by the government, the way they reacted to the way people behaved was done in fear. And we now have 
from a point where we were about to close down prisons, where we have the most people in prison all from all over the world. In the entire world, we have the most people in prison, despite that our population is so low compared to the world. It's crazy. One of the things that I struggle with in this conversation is like, if the U.S. government was a person in my life treating me like that, I would set really firm boundaries and I would cut that person out of my life. Yup. Yeah, there's no way I would allow someone to treat me that way. Yes. And also recognizing in part, it's because I can't get someone else to change. I can't make you Ah. change. And so that's part of how it feels with this. Like, I do have a relationship with the government because the way I'm being treated by the laws that are in place, by the systems that are in place and how it impacts my day to day life, that is a relationship. And look at like what actually needs to change. I mean, already we've talked about like seven things and they're all fucking huge. And we haven't even touched on all the things, right? What I do know is that corporations have priority over citizens. And that is the number one problem as far as I see it. Corporations have priority over the citizens. There's lots that needs to be changed you know, term limits and laws. Like it's much easier to make a law than get rid of a law, which is why they have laws on books from hundreds of years. That's crazy. Right. And then when the Supreme Court makes a decision and overturns Roe v. Wade, they can go back to laws that were put in place almost 200 years ago because they're still in the books because it's easier to make a law than it is to get rid of a law. There are a lot of things that are the problem. But fundamentally, the problem is, is that corporations are prioritized over citizens. And how do we change that? And we talk about how, Carol, you're right, like we're all exhausted at the end of the day. And part of the reason that's the case as well is because we've been cut off from community, which we've also talked about. A hundred percent. I was going to bring that up too. Like the cutoff from community makes it so difficult, like, because then everything becomes like an individual problem that we have to navigate. Like talk about your father and like, the dreams that you have and the tension that arises when those dreams are in conflict with caring for your father. Like I think about what it would be like to be in community and it's just, I like grieve, you know, like I grieve because it shouldn't be like on individual people, but like you're carrying this burden on your own and it shouldn't be that way, but that's also part of its design. And interestingly enough, that's also part of like the shininess that The U.S. like paints itself to be like your white picket fence, like your individual space, your blah, blah, blah. And they've like packaged that to be like this American dream that we are like that we should be wanting that kind of individualism. And I'm like, God, what would it be like to be in a walkable neighborhood with a bunch of people who care, who are like, wait, that's what your dream is, but you need to care for your father. Like, how do we figure that out together? And like, we're just not set up for that right now. But see, this is what I don't understand about that. We used to be set up like that. At least that's the way my, you know what? This goes back to my grandmother saying this, guys. And it blew my mind. And then somebody else, older person said this. Worst thing that ever happened to Black people was desegregation. Worst thing that ever happened to. And I want to take it a step further and say, the worst thing that happened to our culture is assimilation. Assimilation into the whites, white people thought was best. Because in my community growing up, everybody took care of the kids. Community took care of each other. Doctors lived in the same area, town as as the teachers, as the police officers. You know what I mean? It was a real community. Base type thing. And we got away with that, away from that. 
so concentrated on our individual personal wealth and our person and trying to and not even our own individual worth wealth. I would say we've got away from defining ourselves from our community and who we are as people to defining how much wealth we had. And that's purely the 80s. That was purely the 80s. Try to get as much money as you can. And it was a tear away from the family. It was a tear away from when they broke up the black family or broke up, not even say the black family, because you know what? Most welfare recipients are white people. So broke up the family, the American family by saying, Men could not live in a house with a woman that had that was getting assistance. And that means it broke up the white family too. And then, man, you couldn't make so much money to be on it, which kept people impoverished. So all that. When I think of what would make life better and easier, because taking on the government and talking about making these changes feels so overwhelming. When I think about what would make life better and easier, it always comes back to community. How do we create community? And to me, it's like bringing together people with different passions and skill sets. So like having a self-sustaining community. I go to the farmer's market every week in Eugene. There are only six weeks a year we don't have a farmer's market. So I can go get local, fresh, really organic stuff like almost every week. And so that's a practice of mine because I'm not a good gardener. I love eating local fresh organic food and I'm not a gardener. I've tried it so many times. (laughs) I've tried it so many times and it's just not, I'm just not that. I have a ridiculous amount of houseplants, so I have a green thumb, but gardening is a whole other thing. And so like, I would love to start in it. My idea of a self-sustaining community includes someone who's passionate about gardening and then all of us can contribute but there's someone in charge that's not me. Right. That part. And, and the thing that feels really true is that that is both the solution and something that is such a threat to the government that pretty soon they're going to make gardening illegal. Like literally, because no, you do. I don't doubt it because there are so think about like who's buying up all the farmland. Oh, I believe it. I believe it 100 percent because. Right now, it's Microsoft buying, Bill Gates buying up all the farmland. Yep. And once he owns the farmland, that means he owns the food. He owns controls the, the food. You can, if you control the food, to control the people. And the yep. people that don't know how to garden are going to be caught up. So here's my thing. I have all these. I'm an idea girl. I got all these ideas. And they actually could work. But I can't be the person doing all of it. I mean, like, it's so many committees and stuff that I want to be a part of. But I'm just one person. So it's also about finding those people that are willing to do the work and can do the work. So you mentioned yeah. about feeling too overwhelmed, Carol, about I'm very about politics because I, I, I just you have <laughs> So you talked about being very overwhelmed and too tired and all that stuff, which are all very legitimate and things I think are done very purposefully, just like they don't teach how to be a what you need to learn to become a U.S. citizen compared to what an average citizen knows is ridiculous. Ridiculous. They know so much more to us and then we treat them like shit, but that's another conversation. I think what's important is you find the people in your community that are passionate about those things and you get it to an email loop or something. Yeah. It's really as simple as that. And that way you don't have to be involved if, if it's ever a time, because that's what we're doing with my the group that I'm in, Inspire, here in Ann Arbor, is that we have people that are like core members and we have people that are a little bit outside that will 
help organize stuff. Then we got people that we consider the auto ring because we don't have a hierarchy where they just get an email and they call for action people. So mm-hmm. we need an email sent or can people come volunteer for this or whatever like that. Get it to groups like that because it's so important because that's what's ruling a 3D world. Yeah. Only because that's what all this and that's where all the shenanigans and it does take time and patience and getting the right people. But it's a lot of right people. Like right now, Harper Hill is running in Michigan trying to be on our Senate. He's a good person for this. But our main Democratic Party is not really supporting him. So it takes us, everyday people, to know about these things and do a right later or just tell somebody else about something. So it doesn't take a whole lot of effort. Find the people in your community that's doing it. They'll tell you what low effort thing you could do to help. Yeah. You know, I'm involved on that level, on like receiving actions and going out to them, but I'd like to be involved more deeply. But you only one person. I know. I know. The most important thing you could do at a very, the least time consuming thing is just making sure that you know who the players are and five people that you trust and listen to them and go about your life. Because the problem is, this is the problem for real, for real. Because in real life, when we talk about this, in real life, this is the problem. We are living our everyday life. Our everyday life is so overwhelming, especially when we start going through those dark valleys. And to deal with this, it's like you have a pie and you're putting in pieces of the pie, like what's the most important? And although on a big level politics and how our government is running all that stuff, it's like a big part of your life because it's over the umbrella of the circle of the pie. But in your actual day-to-day life, the pie, especially with so much of it is work, is so small that you really don't have time or the effort to be, the time to be able to be as involved in the things that you're passionate about as you want to. Most people are trying to figure out how to get the things that's important, like you said, like your family and being mm-hmm. able to take a breath and take care of your damn self. You try to get all that stuff together. You just don't have time. So find the people in your community that do have the time. Work from there. I don't know who that is because in late stage capitalism, what is the retirement age? How many of our seniors are forced to work? Who has the time? I was going to say a similar thing. Like, who has the time? But also, I do a lot of, like, community building. like, And I do a lot of, like, these are my people. This is where I'm going to lean. Like, this is... Well, I'm going to call like if this happens, that happens. But also inside late stage capitalism, I feel yeah. like a fear of over asking people like because I understand that people have all of this other stuff going on in their life, too. And so there's like this massive sense of responsibility that I feel like I'm holding and I don't feel inside this culture that even the people that I can call and I do call sometimes like it's like we're not designed to lean that hard on one another and we're prevented from leaning that hard on one another in by so many things, right? So I get all this, like, I should pay them to come by and, like, let my dog, like, I should pay, like, all of this stuff, like, things that would just, like, help my day-to-day life, like, small things, like, when I'm away from town, like, letting my dog out or whatever, like, things like that. Even right now, like, I'm super, super blessed. Like, I have my family who helps care for Kato when I need to work. I have a lingering, like I have a mini goal in my life, like to be in a place where I could pay my mom well for that work. Cause I understand how much that is. And I understand how much time she's pouring. Oh man, I'm getting emotional right now, but I don't feel like, even though I'm accepting this help, even though like, I love this help, 
I also being inside capitalism feel a guilt for it, like feel a guilt for accepting this help. Like I have a missed, um, I should be paying her. I should be doing this stuff, like goes on repeat in my head, even though my mom is not asking for that, even though my family's not asking for that. But living inside this culture makes it so hard to lean on other people. And then the guilt that comes with leaning on other people it just perpetuates itself over and over again. So then it's like this loop and like building community from within those constraints becomes massively challenging because of all of the different feelings that arise, like the fear, the guilt, the shame, all of this stuff like arises when we come up and like want to be leaning hard on one another and building something that is self-sufficient. Dude. Amanda, I know you have something really juicy to say about that, but can I go first, please? Yeah. Okay. So as you guys know, I've been in some intense therapy lately, right? And one of the things that we talked about completely was about how the guilt that we feel for asking for help. First off, you have to recognize no one gets anywhere by themselves. And a lot of people, the, the inability to ask for help or the guilt that comes from when you need help is a trauma response of being said no, told no about help before you're afraid of not being not being able to get that help. And the guilt of you shouldn't feel guilty because you do have that help. And even just the word shoulda, coulda, woulda is a type of distorted thought. You know what I mean? My boss There's always no says you're shooting all over yourself. Yep. Right. Exactly that. That part. It's a huge blessing. Don't feel guilty because you have a blessing that other people don't, especially one that you haven't asked for and one that you will willingly share if you could. Don't ever feel that way. I think there's also to recognize, too, that money isn't the only thing of value. And so the value that your mom gets from spending time with Kata probably far outweighs the value that she would get from you paying her as well. And so, and that again is something that is from being raised in capitalist society for so long. We think that we try to monetize everything. Like we're told Mm -hmm. to make a side hustle of our passion. So it's only of value if we can monetize it. So like creating art for art's sake isn't enough. Now you got to like make prints and sell prints and do postcards. It's like, I just want to draw one. My art. Yeah. Right. So I think that's important to recognize. And I think for me, like I've had a lot of people say like, what can I do to help? Like I said, I've been dealing with really intense dad stuff for the past three months. And I had to sit down and like write a list of like, what would be helpful for me and what I'm willing to outsource. Yes. And and then I literally, you all know me well, I made a little spreadsheet because that's what I do. I literally like, what is it? Who can I ask for this? Who would be good at this? And it's, been a big difference because like there are very few of my family members that live in this town. There's more that live in the state, but they're like hours away up in Portland. Most of my family is in the Midwest. And so all of dad's siblings are there. And so they all wish they could help, but it's like, what can I actually ask them? What would be helpful for me? So I actually found a woman who does home cooked meals that delivers, not just some delivery service, not something that I have to cook. It's just portioned out like from start to finish meals ready. Yeah. Local in Eugene. And it's like, okay, this is how you can help because at the end of the day, like living my life and then taking care of dad, spending hours 
on top of my day trying to navigate all this other stuff for him, I don't feel like cooking and I don't want to eat out every meal, you know? So that's really helpful. So it's like things like that are helpful for me. I had to sit down and write it out. Like what would actually be helpful for me? And what am I willing to outsource? And then who would be good? Because people offer to help and I'm realizing that I want to take advantage of that. Meaning not take advantage of someone, like take advantage of the gift that's being offered. I want to accept it. I want to accept the help that's being offered. So what does that look like? That's great. Like to sit down with yourself and like think through that and make that list. Like, I almost feel like we should collectively do that and hand that list to the government. Like all of these different things that need to be like that are not being taken care of that are being placed on the individual. Like it's so But the problem is that they don't care. That's the real problem. They don't care as a whole. Because if they care, they see, like, for instance, the healthcare crisis. We just went through a damn pandemic. Why don't we have Medicaid for all yet? If they actually gave a shit, we would have Medicaid for all. It's I don't know that it's actually- not that they don't give a shit. It's that the corporations are the ones that are actually being prioritized. Well, like, I, th- I, th- I think, I think it's- the fact that they're prioritizing the corporation shows that they don't give a shit. It's through their actions. Don't tell me what you do. It's like an abusive relationship. That's what I thought about when you talked about us having a relationship with a government. It's like a fucking toxic, abusive-ass relationship. You are telling me I am the most important thing in the world to you. You love the shit out of me as you beat my ass and go screw my sister. No. Yeah. No. So, no, I feel like they don't give a shit. I'm sure that there are individuals that do, but honestly, obviously, it's not the majority because if it was the majority, then we wouldn't be having this problem. So I'm going to say that blanket statement and say they don't give a shit. And that's why we don't have it because in other countries, they have free Medicare for everyone. Oh, the taxes are so high. Well, since the taxes are only paid for the middle class and the lower, no, the middle class period in America, then- your taxes won't be so high if we actually what? Oh my God, they risk people pay their fair share percentage wise, percentage wise of their taxes, not their dollars, percentage wise of their income. Because then you could get to that, oh, well, they pay this much money. It's nothing compared to a percentage. Me paying a penny for something when somebody else had to pay $500 for it is a big difference. That, five, that penny don't mean nothing to me. $500, I'm going to stop and saying like, Ooh, okay, what's that? It's all bullshit. And back to, um, oh, I forgot the reason why I came off. Okay. I don't know, dude. I think that as overall, that we're really um, doing ourselves a discredit by not taking care of each other and not having that culture. So one of the ways we changed that we raised the vibration and we changed the culture, started with our individual selves yeah. and building our own community in our community. I know I'm slowly but surely building my community, even if part of my community is in Oregon and California. (laughs) That's where I was thinking right now, too, like to pose the question of like, what do we do? And that's where my head was going to also is like, we start with ourselves, like we start local, we start with what does it look like? If the larger question is like, how do we get our government to care for its people? It's like, how do we get our community to care for its people? Like, how do we be part of that solution? And I guess another thing that I'm like thinking about a lot right now too is just like, how do we authentically lean on one another? And it's scary. Like, it's scary to really lean on someone else because it means like if they don't pull through, like we're all come crap. It's a vulnerable thing Uh to lean hard. 
And I'm experiencing that a lot right now and not by like choice. Like I'm leaning because I have to right now because I can't on my own. And it's a really interesting and vulnerable experience. I'm like asking myself a lot right now, like what would it look like to lean in this way when times are good and to be part of something that other people can lean upon, like when times are good and not having to like all the way till when it's like desperate times, desperate measures, like this is when I'm leaning, you know what I mean? But you're forgetting the uh, most important thing though, Carol, you're not leaning on the people, you're leaning on God, you're trusting the universe. You're trusting that the universe are bringing people and or will bring people to you because you are a follower of the universe. You are a follower of God. You know that there's a 3D and a 5D. So we have to, as people that believe that there's more than just this physical world we're looking at right now, we have to make sure that we're leaning on the fact that we have a higher power that surrounds us, even as we go through the Dark that although yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will feel no evil for thou art with me. And I know that some people won't get what that means, but we get what that means. So as I'm going through my stuff, as Amanda's going through her stuff, and as you going through your stuff, and we're all going through some really heavy ish stuff right now. Yep. We have to remember that this is 3D, but we're above 3D. We're 5D. We're spiritual beings have a human experience. And no matter how dark these spaces are, our higher power is going to get us through because he's right here with us. All of us know that. It always surrounded us. That's why we are the intersection of spirituality and social justice. Spirituality. So for we will say we will lead on God. It's just that no matter what's going on, we don't have to see the plan. We don't have to understand. We just know that he's going to deliver it and it's going to be okay. So that's what we know. And that's what we're going to lean on as we cover this really heavy stuff. And in the meantime, the three, what the three of us in particular and anybody listening to us can do is start in your community. Find out the places and go volunteer somewhere if you have time or find out the people that's doing the work. And you can do that by next door. If you got a city newspaper, all the people whose names keep popping up, who's throwing up on social media in your area and just kind of. See what they're talking about. And maybe you could just find a way to get information to you or be that person that's going to give information. And help comes in all forms. It's not always financial. It's not always time. Because I got to tell you, sometimes just a phone call from you guys are enough. Right. So let's get some final thoughts on this then. I almost feel like that was Jamila's final thoughts. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> Carol, yeah, what about you? Other. Yeah. I think like I'm really sitting inside that like what it is to lean on other people, what it is to build community, those two questions, what it is to do those things inside late stage capitalism. Those are all swirling for me right now. I don't know that I have definitive like this is what I'm thinking and this is my action step next, but I definitely am like, I want to cultivate more intentional presence within my community. And I want to think of ways beyond money that makes it so that everyone feels good inside different dynamics so that there's like reciprocal relations and connections and giving and receiving of energy. And sometimes that is money, but it doesn't always have to be. And so those are where all of my thoughts are swirling right now. And I just am, I think what I'm taking away is like, 
there are many of us who want better and want different and who want that community again. Like, I think many of us experience in some form or fashion and moments here or there, but like, what would it look like for that to be like how we live, how we live, you know, like it shouldn't be all on each individual to figure out this maze of life. Like we should be doing that together. And I'm really, really thinking about like, how do I start with myself to make sure that happens in the ways that are within my control right now? Yeah. For me, you know, what's come up is the question of what will make life better and easier right now. It's always other people in my community. It's connection with other people. And so for me, I have to have people that I actually are physically close to as part of my community. So I have to have people that live in the same town as me. It doesn't necessarily mean my neighborhood because that's not how it has played out right now. But people that I connect with, know, and trust who are checking in on me and I'm checking in on them, they're offering help, I'm accepting help, as well as we have a broader community. As we've mentioned, the three of us have you know, formed this very small community of the three of us over the past year, and it's been really, really impactful. And it's a huge part of it. But like, there also has to be like something that I'm close to. There have to be people that I live near. That's a piece of it. And then the other piece is like, I think it's not an answer. It's still the question, like, what will it take for the government, the U.S. government to care about its citizens, prioritize its citizens? And I think that's the question to keep asking. That's the question to keep asking everyone, because I don't feel that most people feel that they're taken care of by the government. And that's what a government is supposed to do, care for its citizens, protect its citizens. And protection isn't making a big fucking military. Protection is like making sure that everybody gets to eat and that things, their basic needs are covered. That's protecting its citizens. That's caring for its citizens. So I think like continuing to ask that question. I also not running away from the terms socialism and communism as an excuse as to why we can't take care of and love each other. Because basic needs are basic needs. And I apologize for disrupting you, Amanda, my love. That's okay. All right. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We love you. We love you. Thank you so much for listening to The Intersection, Spirituality and Social Justice. We hope this podcast made you think and feel and that you carry that with you into the conversations you have in your own life. We also know that our conversation is incomplete without you. We would love to keep in touch. Follow us on Instagram at the period intersection period podcast and find our individual Instagrams in the show notes. We can't wait to hear from you.